Hello and welcome to the Decaias podcast with Andrew Swope. On this podcast, we help Christians communicate what they believe and why they believe it according to Scripture. If you want to learn more about how to share Christ with others, check out our videos on our YouTube channel. You can find the link in the description. We hope you enjoy today's episode. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you create all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Revelation 4, 8 through 11. Thank you guys for joining the podcast again. This is episode 16. Um, We are talking about uh, the next attribute, which is the holiness of God. I'm very excited to be talking about this. I've enjoyed my study, and I hope you guys maybe even have already a little bit of research that you've done with the attributes of God that you've studied this a little bit in your own time. Um, I think that is going to be uh, how this episode could be most helpful because uh, we're not going to be exhaustive here, but we sure are going to make sure that we define what the holiness of God is uh, according to Scripture, and also there's some insight from uh, church history. So we're going to try to dive right in. Um, next week, um, I want to give you kind of um, where where we're heading. Um, next week, I actually want to talk about a cultural issue. I'm working on a research paper right now for my ethics class, um, and the topic I picked was the vaccines, specifically the COVID-19 vaccine. And I want to talk about that, the ethics behind it, um, Christian obligation in light of um, in light of the vaccine, the methods for the vaccine, if the vaccine's effective. I want to talk about that for our next episode. Um, and then after that, I'm going to have to work on some exams and stuff for school. So we're going to take a break um, for a week, but then we will jump right back into our series on the attributes of God. But that's what you can be expecting in the future. Um, we're going to, this is a very touchy subject. This is, it gets very emotional um, when we talk about these vaccines and the lockdowns and all of that. But I want to just, I want to give a Christian response to that. I want to uh, look into Scripture, maybe even glean from the wisdom of Scripture, and see what does God have to say about things like vaccines. So I think it's going to be a helpful episode, and we're going to try to make it very much align with uh, Scripture and what we can what we can know about God and about Scripture in light of in light of these issues. So. Let's jump right into the holiness of God. We're going to try to make this concise. We're going to try to go through this quick. Thank you guys again for joining us for this episode. Uh, a couple of quotes here are talking about the holiness of God. Um, Steve, uh, Ste- Stephen Carnock, uh, he is a Puritan theologian. I, I might have butchered his name. I actually haven't read him on this topic, but there's a quote from him that's really good. Um, he says, quote, Power is in his hand and arm omniscience his eye, mercy his bowels, eternity his duration, his holiness his beauty. Thomas Watson, in his book, A Body of Divinity, he says, Holiness is the most sparkling jewel of his crown. It is the name by which God is known. We, we know this in scripture as well. There's a couple of scriptures here. Uh, Psalm 111, verse 9, Holy and reverend is his name. Job 6.10 says, He is the Holy One. Isaiah 6, the seraphim are talking back and forth, singing and shouting, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
uh, Revelation, which we just were reading from, talks about these four living creatures and talks about everything in heaven saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, Isaiah 57, 15 says, for thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, my name is holy. Uh, Stephen Lawson, he says this um, in his book, uh, Show Me Your Glory. Um, where he talks about the different attributes of God. In the chapter on holiness, he says, The angelic beings before the throne are not shouting, Love, love, love. Although God is love, and we'll talk about that in a future episode. Uh, the heavenly host is not declaring truth, truth, truth. Although God is truth, Psalm 31, 5. Rather, the angels are calling out, Holy, holy, holy. They make this emphasis on the holiness of God three times in rapid succession. And this is to elevate this attribute to the superlative degree. In other words, God is not merely holy as others would be holy. He is not simply holier than any of his creatures. Instead, this threefold anthem proclaims that God is the single holiest being in the entire universe. Wow, what a, what a statement from Lawson here, Dr. Lawson here. But yeah, that's right, that the vision here that we just read from that... These angels are not saying any other attribute here of God. They're simply saying the attribute that really uh, we're going to see covers all things concerning God, that him in his essence is holy. So what, is, what does holy mean? What is the working definition here that we can, we can go by? Um, A.A. Hodge, he says, uh, quote, The holiness of God is not to be conceived as one attribute among others, it is the rather rather a general term representing the conception of God's consummate perfection and total glory. It is his infinite moral perfection crowning his infinite intelligence and power. And that's a long quote right there, but he summarizes it with this. Holiness is God's total glory crowned. And John MacArthur, he uses this quote as well. It's really where I got it from, but I love that definition right there. That's a, such a concise definition of what holiness is uh, when, we, when we're talking about God and his holiness. Holiness is God's total glory crowned. Man, if I had notes right now, I would write that down. That is such a good, uh, good concise definition. The Hebrew word kadosh uh, in scripture for holiness, it just means separation. It means, if we're using the verb form of this, to be set apart, to be set aside um, from anything else. So in Moses, the scene with Moses in the burning bush, we see God says to him, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. You're, it's set apart. It's different. Uh, but it's more than that. Um, the, the purpose of the law actually shows us that God is holy. Um, he is righteous. He's morally perfect, right? His total glory is crowned. That's what his holiness means and how it's displayed also in the law. Uh, Romans 7, 8 through 12, talking about the law and how the law displays the holiness of God. He says, uh, Paul says in his book in the Roman, Romans 7, 8 through 12, it says, For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. So Paul is getting at the fact that we, there's a dilemma that we're, we're having here. Um, and this is really the first attribute where we see that we have a 
dilemma. We kind of saw in the Trinity the triune nature of God where there is a need for the Son and the Holy Spirit, that there is this Trinity, this relationship that goes on in the Godhead because there is a there is a plan for redemption. Um, but we also see in this attribute, we see that we're faced with a dilemma here between us and God. Because God is holy, we know in our state that we are unholy, that we are different from, we are, he is set apart from us. He is different from us. There is a separation that we have because we are impure. And that's prophet Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he knew this very well in his vision in Isaiah 6. He realizes he's a man of unclean lips and he lives amongst the people of unclean lips. And then he says, and I, my eyes have beheld the, the king of glory, the Lord of glory. And so he's overwhelmed by that. So we, we see, the, like, the, like it says in Romans 7, the law is good, displays God's good character, but it also shows us that we are sinful, that we are unrighteous, we are unholy, and we are not good. Um, and so this is, we see the dilemma here. Uh, we, just kind of in summary, we, we saw in our attributes that we've gone over already that God is triune. That means he is one being in three persons, while we are just one being and one person. Um, God is self-existent, but we are not self-existent. We are dependent upon him. We were created by him. Uh, we also learned that God is immaterial and uncontainable while we are finite and we can be contained. Uh, we learned in God's sovereignty that God is the potter and we are the clay, that he is the author and we are his characters in this story. It's God's story. We also are learning now this week that God is holy. And we are unholy. So there are four aspects of God's holiness that Thomas Watson describes. So he goes into talking about that God, one aspect of God's holiness is that he is intrinsically holy. He is primarily holy. He is efficiently holy. And he is transcendentally holy. I don't want to go into each of those aspects. You can go and read his book, uh, a, a, body of, a Body of Divinity. Um, you can read that book and you'll learn more about these aspects that Thomas Watson goes into about the holiness of God. But right now, I want to just do two aspects. I want to kind of summarize the holiness of God in two different ways or two different lenses. So we're going we're gonna to try to do this as, as brief as we can and then make some application at the end, some final, some final things to think about. So God is holy in his very nature. He is essentially holy. So if we affirm the attribute of God is self-existent, his aseity, if we affirm that he is completely independent of us and anything else, any other factor, then he is in himself, he is set apart, he is different in his very being. Um, so he is separate from us, he is, a, he is being, and R.C. Sproul says we are becoming, that's the difference between us. He has always been, and we are still growing and becoming. Um, John MacArthur says that no one and nothing comes close to God in essential nature. This is God's holiness. He is different, different than all the rest of creation. Exodus 15, 11 says, Who is like you, majestic in holiness? First uh, Samuel 2, 2 says, There is no one holy like the Lord. So no one exists even in his category. No one comes close to him. We know not only are we separate from him and his being, but we also have this nature that we have inherited, a, a sinful nature that makes us morally corrupt. Our nature has been morally corrupt, 
and therefore we are definitely different from God. We don't have the same communion that Adam and Eve did in the garden because we have become morally corrupt in our nature. He despises this corruption. He despises this sin that's within us. And so in a sense, his holiness, um, he can't even, because he is holy, he can't even dwell with us. He can't have communion with us because we are unholy. He is morally perfect, so his eyes can't even look upon our wickedness. Habakkuk says that, it says this very thing, that your eyes are too pure to approve evil. You can't, you cannot look on wickedness. Job 34.10 says, far be it from God to do wickedness, to do wrong. It's so beyond him. He can't even, he doesn't even dwell upon it. He knows about sin. I'm sure he he knows about it, but he doesn't think about sin. He doesn't meditate on sin. He is good and righteous, and we'll talk about that in future episodes, uh, talking about the righteousness of God, the goodness of God. But he, it's, it's far from him. It's way outside of him that we are wicked and that there is wickedness. It's, it's beyond him. That's why there is punishment for sins. That's why there is hell. There's a separation from God for eternity. And that is the ultimate punishment, is because God is morally pure and good. Therefore, any, any revelation of God that we see in Scripture, it puts on display this concept, this concept of God being morally perfect. And there's no wickedness, there's no shadow, no tint of darkness in him. So this God is very is, is holy in his nature, in his being, and, and he is morally perfect. That is who God is. But then if we kind of look at Scripture in the sense of, of God and how this relates to us, how does holiness relate to us, we have to understand the second aspect, that God is the source. He is the fountain of all holiness, that it, is, it comes from him. He is the wellspring of, of goodness, of, of holiness, of moral uprightness. Um, he is the one who spreads holiness, um, so because he is holy, he can make things holy. He can make a people holy. But he cannot make something or someone holy that has sin within them. And that's why there is the tabernacle, the temple, and all of the different sacrificial um, rituals and, and the system that we see in the Old Testament and the Torah with the, with the nation of Israel. Is that's, that's the reality that they had sin and they could not be in the presence of of God, they were unholy, so they had to be, in a way, they had to become holy, uh, according to God's commandments, because because we He can't even look on sin; He has to punish sin, and and that's why if the priest went into the most holy place in the tabernacle, this place that was beyond the curtain, if they went into this place where the presence of God comes down, the pillar of cloud comes down and dwells. Um, if that priest comes in there and he is impure or he is unholy in some way uh, and goes against, in some way he's gone against the commandment of God, then God has to strike him down. And that's why uh, we know from, from readings in, in some of the Jewish uh, writings and traditions that they would actually tie some rope to the man's, uh, the priest's ankle. They would tie a rope to him, and if he were to die, they would be able to, he would go into the most holy place, and if he died, they would be able to pull his body out of uh, out of the most holy place um, so that's how severe that's how serious God takes unholiness and sinfulness he punishes it 
And that's why that's why the nation has the nation of Israel had those different rituals. But that's also why we see the cross of Jesus. That's why we see the 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 cross, the crucifixion of a savior. We see that because he is this sacrifice. So just as if if the priest went in and he was unholy and he was impure and he went into the most holy place and he was struck down um, just as God punishes sin with death, so the people of Israel had to make these sacrifices because God had to punish sin. They had to make these sacrifices and offer them on the altar to God. So they would sacrifice these spotless lambs. They would sacrifice rams and bulls. Um, and that is actually a type, a shadow of what is to come in Christ, that Christ is the sacrifice. He is the centerpiece of, of scripture that displays the holiness of God because there is this punishment for sin uh, on this sacrifice on this altar. So Jesus is, he becomes holy. He is God himself. He is holy in that sense, but also God makes his human nature holy as well to be a spotless lamb for us that the, the sacrifice that Jesus is might be perfect in every way, might be sufficient for God and his wrath. So Jesus, he appeases the wrath of God. He pleases his father, and it, and it pleases the father for him to crush his son. And that is, that's for our sake. It wasn't that, and that's why we say Jesus is holy because God is holy, is because there was no sin within Jesus. He was perfect in every way. And, and God make, made his human nature holy as well. He didn't, he didn't have any sin within him. He didn't have any darkness within him being the God-man, even still. And so... He, he pleased God in his death, and he was holy, and because he was holy, therefore we could be holy. We could enter into God's presence by this sacrifice. So why did God become man? Mark Jones, uh, who, a guy I've been reading um, for, this, for this podcast episode, talking about the holiness of God, he actually writes, he writes a great book, a devotional book uh, called God Is, um, it's it goes into the attributes of God, but it's very it's very easy to read, very good. I think honestly, for reading with your quiet time in the mornings or in the evenings, he does he does a great job of talking about these attributes. But he says, when talking about the holiness of God, why did God become man to bleed to death for sinners, that He might satisfy the justice of His divine holiness? So on, the only way for us to be justified, the only way for us to be able to enter into the, you could say, the holy of holies, to enter into the presence of God, which are dilemmas that we can't on our own. The only way we can be justified and made holy is if we go in, in Christ, is if we are found in Christ's sacrifice, is if we have been found in him, clothed in him like Adam and Eve were after they sinned. They were clothed with those garments of the animal. Just as Adam and Eve were clothed, so we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ that through faith we could be declared righteous and holy. So his holiness, his alien righteousness could be credited to our account, and that is through faith. So this is the beauty of the holiness of God, and this is the beauty of what we know about the story in Scripture, is that while God is holy, and he is just holy in his essence, and he is holy in that he is morally perfect, that his total glory is crowned. He is set apart. While we see that in scripture and then we see that we are unholy 
even in spite of that, the beauty of the gospel is that God makes us holy in the sacrifice of his son. That the divine punishment, the justice that we deserve because of our unholiness and our sin, the justice that we deserve is laid upon Jesus, is laid upon him. That even though we're unholy, we can be made holy by his blood. And so his blood is spilled for us that anyone who would believe in him, and John's very, the gospel of John's very clear on this, that if we believe in his name, we have eternal life. Being born of the Spirit of God, we understand these things. So I want to land the plane here with a couple of thoughts here. We're, we understand now the holiness of God. We've understood, understood the aspects. But what's the application for us? What does this mean for us? Well, especially when it comes to this attribute, we, 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 we must know if you've been raised up in church and stuff, if you've been in church at all and you've been in different churches, you know that this is not really emphasized. Most, most pastors on Sundays are not necessarily going to take hours on hours in the week talking about the holiness of God. They're going to try to jump to different things, but this is an attribute that we, the church, the Western church, does not understand. And we don't take the time to understand this very central doctrine. Therefore, if, if we don't know who God is in his holiness, we can't know who we are in our unholiness and our wickedness. We can't even come close to that. And I think there's actually a clip I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you guys. It might be poor quality, but um, just bear with me. Um, and if you need to skip through it because you just you can't stand the quality of it, that's perfectly fine. But this is a clip from R.C. Sproul that's it's honestly really popular. It's titled, the YouTube um, title for it is What's Wrong With You People. So you probably have heard this before, but I'm actually going to play the whole two-minute clip. Um, I just want you to hear R.C. Sproul and his, his words, I think, of compassion and his words – um, of frustration about the, the church in the sense that we don't understand this attribute of God. We understand who God is in his holiness and who we are in our unholiness and our unrighteousness. So I'm going to go ahead and play that for you guys. If God is slow to anger and patient, excuse me, since God is slow to anger, <laughs> we're always learning. Since God is slow to anger and patient, then why, when man first sinned, was his wrath and punishment so severe and long-lasting? Time out. <laughs> Didn't we just have that question a second ago? We did. Yeah, little, I think we did. That God's punishment for Adam was so severe. This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. After that, God had said, the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. And instead of dying, Thanatos, that day, he lived another day and was clothed in his nakedness by pure grace and had the consequences of a curse applied for quite some time. But the worst curse would come upon the one who seduced him, whose head would be crushed, 
by the seed of the woman. And the punishment was too severe? What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. And we don't know who we are. The question is, the question is, why wasn't it infinitely more severe? If we have any understanding of our sin and any understanding of who God is, that's the question, isn't it? Many people will bring up objections about God in that they'll say something like, um, like similar to what that question was that was asked at that Q&A. Um, if there's, if God is so sovereign, he's all powerful and he's all good, then why do bad things happen to good people? Basically the, the problem of evil or the problem of, of human suffering. They'll bring up that, that question uh, as, as if it's a challenge. If what we know from scripture to be true is in fact something we are to grasp and hold on to, the reality is none of us is good. There, are, there is no such thing as a good person, and there is no such thing as a punishment from God that is not too severe. What, what, what R.C. was getting at is that we all, deserved, we all deserve from birth to be destroyed, to be thrown into hell for our sins, that because we are wicked, and God can't even, we have to understand, God can't even look upon wickedness. He can't even, he can't even be in the presence of wickedness. Um, he's just he's just that holy, right? That he has to punish us, and the just punishment is that he should just get rid of us, absolutely get rid of us, wipe us out. But he doesn't. Like what we see with the flood, he could have he could do that again, completely wipe us out and not leave a Noah, right? But he is gracious, slow to anger, and merciful. And we're gonna we'll learn about that in the future. But you. There's, you have to understand that we deserve a severe punishment. And the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus took that severe punishment. He took the worst punishment, worse of a punishment than Adam had to face leaving the garden. Leaving the garden, having to work, or having to face uh, the pains of childbirth. All of that. We, we do not know what, what severe punishment is like. We don't know who we truly are. And R.C. gets at that, but... Uh, I wanted to share that clip because I thought it is profound. It's something for us to think about uh, as we're trying to apply these things. So we have to learn who God is in his holiness, that he is in a different station than us. He is of a different category than us. There is no one in his category. There is no one who is good. There is no one else who is holy. Everybody else seeks their own way. God is the one who is upright and set apart. But, but God makes us holy in his son. He shows us the need in the law of God. He shows us his need for his son, the perfect sacrifice, and the one mediator between us and God. Our, Jesus, our Lord, he is the one who has done these things on our behalf. And he has done it completely, sufficiently, perfectly. And so the, the application for us is that there are these things in our life that are reminders of this, reminders of the holiness of God, reminders that we are unholy and we need to become holy as he is holy. Excuse me. That's why we practice things like the Lord's Supper, that we understand the body and blood that was shed for us, um, that was broken for us, that we have to understand 
that Jesus in baptism, he was died and was raised to life on our behalf. That God in his holiness, he seeks to make us holy through his son. So we are to remember him. We are to constantly be doing the Lord's Supper. We are to be understanding baptism and exactly what it is, what it symbolizes, what, what it means. Um, we are to be declared as a holy people. And, and um, uh, J.C. Ryle, he does a great job in his book titled Holiness, which I would, I would recommend a couple of books. Get, get uh, R.C.'s book on the holiness of God. Um, I would even get a devotional book um, that I just, I've just been reading a little bit. Um, I got it from my undergrad, but that is God Is. That's the title of it by Mark Jones. And then I would get this book by J.C. Ryle titled Holiness. There's so much in it talking about the application of the holiness of God in our life, in our daily life. Um, so I would recommend that a lot. Uh, I would recommend that greatly. So he does a great job with it. Um, th this is something we have to be reminded of. He, he emphasizes, J.C. Ryle emphasizes that we, there is, we have to understand we've been justified by faith. We continue in faith, of course. We continue in the grace of God. But we also need to become holy. We need to have these things in our lives, these disciplines. We need to have the body of Christ admonishing one another, um, being reminded of the scriptures, being reminded of the story of God, being reminded of the character of God. Um, we need to be reminded of the holiness of God every single time we meet. And in that way, we're edified. We become holy. We should focus on that. That's one of the good things that the Puritans did is, yes, they might have been known for being very pious, and they had these different, might have been known uh, for having these different rules and having these different habits and emphasizing what sounds like a very works-based um, uh, view of salvation. But we, we need to understand when it comes to post-justification, post we are to live a life that's pleasing to God. We are to live a life renewed in our mind day by day, be a living sacrifice. And that means we become holy as he is holy. So there's places like in Ephesians 4, 24, it says, And put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. This is application for us Christians. This is applications for us as families. That we need to be reminded of the holiness of God and that because we've been justified by faith, by the grace of God um, in Jesus Christ, now we live in newness of life. We live in this new self. We live created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-7 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual morality, that each of you know how to control his own body, in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. So God's he's called us in holiness. Just because we live by the grace of God does not mean that we can just live forever, however, whatever kind of lifestyle that we want to. We can't just live in whatever kind of way. We are to live in true righteousness and holiness. God has not called us to be impure. He's called us to be purified and cleansed of our sins. Uh, first, first Chronicles 16, 29, this is our last verse, and then we, we're going to close this out. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. 
bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. There is, there's some hints there that they're supposed to bring these offering and sacrifices in the Old Testament. That's what they're supposed to do. The Israelites were supposed to do as the people of God. They're supposed to bring these offerings as a worship, uh, as, as a means of worship. But, but there is this emphasis here. There is this theme here that we're supposed to worship God in the splendor of holiness, in the splendor of being not just, the, not just worshiping a God that is set apart, but that he is the God who desires for us to be set apart, to not be of the world, but be of him, of God the Father. So we live in this holiness, and that is kind of some application for us. I, I, I hope that you are encouraged by those scriptures. I would write down those scriptures um, if you've got, if you're taking notes or if you're taking mental thoughts. Ephesians 4.24, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-7 is definitely an encouraging passage for us when it talks about our sanctification. Um, and there's plenty of other passages in the Psalms um, as well as, as Proverbs talking about us pursuing a life of holiness. So let us be holy as God is holy. Let us uh, worship him in the splendor of his holiness. Let us realize that whole, the holiness of God is that it is his total glory completely crowned. Thank you guys for uh, listening to this podcast. If you want to learn more about this ministry that we are doing, if you want to, um, I'm actually setting up another website so that these, uh, each of these podcasts can actually be recorded down Uh, You could say on paper, really, it's going to be a blog post. Um, So those will be, uh, I'm I'm working on that right now. So those will be available to you so that maybe if you don't have necessarily time to listen to some, uh, listen to a podcast that you could at least read some of what we're talking about. So um, if you could be praying for us, we're continuing to do evangelism in in different cities in South Carolina. Um, I'm actually recording this on the day that we're going to go out to Columbia um, and we're going to do some preaching and, and some. We're going to be handing out gospel tracts and, and praying for people. And so just be just be praying for us. Be remind, uh, remembering us um, as we go out and do this work for the Lord. That would be for His glory and not our own. Um, but guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting this ministry. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Have a great rest of your day. God bless you.